Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Spinning the Reel. I am your host, Evan. And I'm your host, Zach. And we have no Cody this week, as he is uh, taking a, a little break after uh, we uh, we did a big double after feature. After his big beer week. run last week. His, yeah, this is the greatest beer run ever, some might say. I, yeah, I would yeah, wager. And, you know, his new nickname, it's no longer Kiwi, it's, it's <laughs> Chicky. So... <laughs> Here we go. But we do have a packed show today. I think it's exciting because we are getting into sort of the fall kind of awardsy movie season and we're going to talk about a couple couple movies today that I don't think have a big chance at like Oscars, but do, you know, are, have made a, a splash, I guess, in uh in the broader film community. So, why don't you tell people what we're talking about today? Today we're talking about um, two movies that are on limited release right now. Uh, I think Tar at least expands next week. We're not talking about Tar today. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. I watched Tar yesterday. We did watch Tar. Yeah. Uh, No, we're talking about Decision to Leave and Triangle of Sadness. Correct. Yeah, Triangle of Sadness, of course, the Palme d'Or winner this year. And Decision to Leave, I think, also won some award at Cannes. I didn't look up exactly what. Maybe the Best Director or something like that. So we've got uh, two pretty prestigious international films triangle of sadness is kind of on that borderline of like the academy definition of international but it's yeah yeah you know it's a um i think the guy is swedish that directed it and, um oslin right is it yeah Ruben oslin? Ruben Os- yeah. oslin so um yeah that's gonna be exciting and then in between for a, you know a little bit more popular flavor we're talking about blackout no i'm just kidding oh we're, <laughs> we're talking about werewolf by night which uh i feel like made a pretty big impact and it's uh couple weeks it's been out i don't know now. about big impact it's definitely a departure from uh marvel's like formula it. yeah it's it's notable in in its uh departure right um and then yeah i think probably pepper in some other you know just kind of general spooky talk but <laughs> spooky talk uh, yes yeah that's the show that we got lined up All right, Zach, we are going to start with the movie that we saw first. Let's go with Triangle of Sadness. This is a movie that we went to uh, the Alamo Draft House to see, and it was... Uh, our beloved cinema. Yes, our beloved cinema, but our movie was interrupted by a fire alarm. What would you say, about 20 minutes in? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, the, right before they get to the actual plot of the film, the 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 crews, you know, Yeah. Um, when you're still just getting to know Carl and Yaya and they're kind of... Uh, relationship yep. yeah i honestly the way that the screen cut because the screen just cut to black and then there was about you know a beat before the alarm started going off and the flashing lights and all that i just thought it was edited from the movie like, yeah, it, it seemed was, like, like part actual, of the movie yeah and then the you know the usher Would, rushes down and he's like guys that's uh that's the fire alarm but don't worry they'll announce over the pa system if we actually need to evacuate or not yeah which they never did they just started the movie again <laughs> Yeah, I guess it was some emergency in in the building, yeah. not necessarily at the draft house, and then it was fine. So but it was yeah, then certainly they an the experience. Film. Yeah, uh, which what really, is the film about? We've we beat around the bush here a little bit. Okay, yeah, quick uh, quick plot description. Um, Triangle of Sadness follows uh, two models, Carl and Yaya. Mm-hmm. Um, Carl's um, Harris Dickinson and yeah, Yaya is um, Charlie oh, I don't Dean. Her name. I think is her name. Yeah. Who tragically yeah. passed uh, shortly after this movie wrapped production? I think. Yes. Um, 
uh, we follow their two models in you know the high fashion industry uh, Carl and Yaya um, they're invited as kind of like they're comped of crews as, as like influencers you know mm-hmm. she has a very prolific Instagram page or whatever uh, it's her profession so she <laughs> she gets invited on this cruise which of course she brings Carl her, her boyfriend uh, and <clears throat> This is a cruise for very, very rich people. It's like a you know two hundred fifty million dollar yacht or something, right? Uh, and uh, it goes terribly wrong. Uh, the um, captain's dinner, which is I guess you know this the prestige dinner where the the captain joins the the, the cruise, guests. yeah, yeah. Uh, the guests for for dinner and they all get to meet him and whatever. It's this fancy dinner. Um, there's a storm, a rough seas. Uh, people get very ill. And then they are attacked by pirates. Uh, <laughs> a and, lot happens in this movie. Yeah, um, they're attacked by pirates and then end up on a deserted island. Yeah. Um, so that's the basic plot. And then of course there's some survivors that, that make it to the island, and then you see the dynamics that play there. That's that's the plot of the movie. Right. Yeah. Just think like uh, you know an episode of Below Deck, but worse. And and you're it kind does of on the below, right track. Yeah, it does give Below Deck vibes for sure. <laughs> it's just. Uh, I mean, it is like I, I say that sort of jokingly, but it but it kind of is because that show is basically all about like the working class people or not necessarily working class people. But right. I mean, the people that work on the boat. Yeah, are it's, not it's, rich. it's from the perspective of the crew. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then they're dealing with like the nonsense of these like insanely rich people that yeah. they have to take care of on this boat. And this movie is much more all over the place. It definitely has some of that aspect to it. But it is, I mean, it's a social satire. I wrote a review of this, so you can find it on spinningthereel.com. Got to plug that. Um, but it, it is, like, um, basically kind of like eat the rich kind of satire, but done in such a direct way. I, I don't know. I found this movie mildly entertaining, but a little blunt for my taste. I get that. I get that. Um the- I think when we were walking out of this and we were kind of talking about it, I made an offhand remark, something like, it's like if Don't Look Up was made just slightly better, a little more yeah. subtle. I mean, there are there is some imagery in this movie that is just, you can't miss it. It's like very yes. uh, in your face. I mean, the um, opening sequence, even. I love the know? opening sequence. I wish, I wish the movie had kept that energy. Um, yeah. The, the opening sequence we're referring to, of course, uh, Carl being a model, he's at a... Um, a casting, yeah, 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 a casting call, and is getting uh, a look by you know the the casting. The there's and are, there's like a documentary crew or for some show or something yeah. going through. And, <laughs> and I love that yeah. so much. Yeah, that guy's energy is great, and they're just calling the contrast between uh, what we would call high fashion brands and low fashion. Yeah, brands. expensive versus yeah. inexpensive, and brands. the way that these companies market their their brand and their clothing mm-hmm. and that if you know if it's high fashion it's oh it's so serious and this kind of smoldering look and you know you can't look they literally say you're looking down on your customers yeah that yeah. is explicitly stated and then if it's like if it's like h&m or you know like yeah. tar- target brand or something right like they, they like, use h&m and they use what balenciaga uh, no but well balenciaga is an example of one of the higher yeah ones. those are the two brands. yeah uh, yeah 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 uh, and then H&M is like, oh, look how happy we are wearing these clothes. And yeah, stuff. we're like, so we're diverse. Selling we're, you so, a, yeah, like, we're selling you a, a dream or like a fantasy, yeah. you know. Um, yeah, very. And there's a, that. that's the entire movie are those kind of like analogies. So and, I'd say so. Like I'd say that there, that scene, as unsubtle as that sounds coming across it, it's not very subtle. But that's about as subtle as the movie gets across its whole runtime. You know, they get on the cruise and the crew is – 
having their meeting to prepare for the for the whole trip and you know we got to take care of these people and then the whole crew starts breaking out into a chant of money 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 yeah. which is like literally okay it's all about the money yeah. and then it, it i don't know if it pans down but it like the next shot is of like the actual like uh steerage crew on the the ship that, doing like, the real work that like, you know yeah. clean the bathrooms and and like well, also in the engine room like engine turning room. wrenches like covered in oil right the ones yeah. that don't get any tip money yeah. like you know and and again not subtle at all and it just every moment it just gets like more and more in your face like this is about this is and i said this in the review too i said that that's capitalism baby is <laughs> a staple classic, classic. is a staple of this show and and our website and our reviews but even that this movie was like that's capitalism baby in all capital letters might have as well have had yeah. it watermarked the, across the screen the could, entire yeah, time could, this movie could have ended with one of those like you know uh looney tunes like curtains and like the you know the <laughs> yeah. circles around porky pig, porky and, like, pig yeah, coming out. that's capitalism baby like <laughs> and, and saying that you would think that this movie would be like extremely our thing and i feel like it's fine i mean yeah. it's entertaining enough but for me if you if you were a filmmaker and we were talking about this off air yesterday even just that you know you have to kind of trust your audience a little bit and and say like all right you know you're doing the the smiley h&m and the the frowny balenciaga and you you should hopefully be able to get it but like i guess you were saying right that you know sometimes people just aren't going to get it or aren't going to want to get it yeah. Aren't gonna want to hear that message. So Ruben Oslin here just really takes a sledgehammer and hits you over the head with it. Yeah, and I think um, I I also kind of mentioned that uh, again. Going back to the the comparison to Don't Look Up with me for me at least, Ruben Oslin isn't necessarily committing that that crime, so to speak. I think like uh, Don't <laughs> really look, Don't Look Up is literally like beating you over the head with like a wrench, like you know. Oh, you know, this is this is this is serious. It needs to be taken seriously. Look yeah. how stupid these people are for not taking it seriously. This to me is kind of like these people are so um or lack of any level of self-awareness and yeah. that when they're forced to be self-aware, uh they have no idea what to do. Like mm-hmm. they're completely lost. Um and I don't I don't think this is necessarily talking down to you as a viewer the way something like don't look up is like yeah. You know, uh, don't look up is like oh haven't you have you ever considered this like look how smart I am for thinking about this stuff and then something like triangle of sadness is like look how stupid these people are you know as mm-hmm. opposed to like saying you're one of these stupid people too so I agree to an extent I think that based on the actions of the characters alone yes that's very true like I think there are a lot of really clever things in this movie like um, Harris Dickinson's Carl uh, complaining to the chief stewardess that one of the crew members took his shirt off. Well, which fair un- unprofessional behavior, but like as he's like sunbathing without his shirt on, there like the the contrast there is is you know it exists. Yeah, um, I mean, but I, he just he does that out of jealousy. It's he not does. Like he doesn't right. really care that. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But then also like all kinds of things, right? Like one of the guests demands that the crew goes for a swim, and, that is it, and such it a good ultimately sequence. leads to their food being bad when yeah. they uh, and you know it's choppy seas, but also like the the chef is like, "You want us to leave the seafood out? It's gonna go bad." Okay, yeah. whatever. Um, but I think this movie drifts at times. So some of the best parts of this movie are just like the dynamic between. So Woody Harrelson plays the captain, and he's like a drunk. And mm-hmm. he is 
kind of a in recluse. A, yeah, he's in a position of of wealth and power, but he is a socialist um, in the like the terms that he speaks, and he has this face off with uh, one of like the Russian oligarchs who again in a, in a note of unsubtlety his job is he literally sells shit like just mm. to, to make it clear that he got rich basically doing nothing like selling shit yeah i mean <laughs> like a, i mean like a lot of people uh well not necessarily a lot but in the turmoil of like eastern europe yes. through the cold war and stuff and as things started collapsing there were opportunities to seize power and money by of course selling things or you know establishing a business at right at the crucial moment and he, he admits that right you know his story is that at you know the fall of the, the soviet union or or maybe it was yugoslavia or something yeah he's literally like oh i was in the right place at the right time and i grew my family's farm you know fertilizer sold fertilizer across sure. across europe or whatever so yeah but Which he I, literally does say but, but I yes, sell r- shit. russian yeah. capitalist yeah. american <laughs> socialist you know kind of inverting the mm-hmm. the classic stereotype yeah but the two of them kind of butting heads and just drunkenly arguing with each other <laughs> <laughs> rattling off quotes from like ronald reagan and margaret thatcher yeah. mm-hmm. and carl Marx and all that and and it, the backdrop to this of course is everybody sick out of their minds right like seasick as well as you know food sick um yeah the, the the entire ship is just in disarray at this point right and there, and this is where the, the thing comes is like it's such a fun back and forth between i didn't i didn't say i was looking it up who uh who played dimitri uh zlatko burich he's who, great uh, if he's anyone great has seen the movie teen spirit he plays uh you know, a disheveled uh, singing coach in that in that movie. Um, but anyway, he's great. Woody Harrelson's great. The two of them going back and forth is great. There's not enough of that, but I think it's so fun in that moment that you can kind of forgive the characters for literally just saying out loud what the, the like what this movie is about. Just like this movie is about how people are suffering and how like the rich are are indifferent to it. While also trying to satire, I don't know. It's just to me, it's the whole thing's too direct. I think, yeah. I mean, uh, but at that point, the the imagery of these people who are like you know of the highest class right. in, of people ter- in terms of economically, um, who are in this luxury cruise and everything is supposed to be perfect and pristine and yep. it's white glove. They are completely humiliated and dehumanized in a way that's like yes you know they're they're vomiting they're spewing from both ends there's shit water flowing through the halls like it is it's it aggressive is, it is yeah and it's it's hard to watch because <laughs> yes. it's so gross and a lot I'm of just, projectile vomiting. i'm one of those people yeah like i'm one of those people it's like if someone's throwing up on screen i'm like oh like you know i have yeah. to brace myself um kind of one of my you know most disliked gags in film yeah, yeah is, is people violently vomiting um, which there is a lot of in this. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, these people are kind of you know uh, reduced to to these uh, you know uh, upheavals of bodily fluids, and I would think that that's not necessarily the 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 place to be subtle with the other end of what you're doing, right? right. With this conversation, like it wouldn't make sense for them to you know be doing. I, I don't sure. know that like it the the level of unsubtlety on on both. Uh, both sides here that, that the events that are happening this this debate between the captain and and the Russian and then the you know what everyone else is going through the crew as well what they're trying mm. to do and manage the situation um, yeah I don't I don't know that subtlety would have been would have improved that yeah, that's um, but as, maybe as an in overall particular, but oh, yeah, yeah as an overall criticism I can see you know you saying 
it's completely unsubtle and that's not to your taste i don't think this necessarily that necessarily does a disservice to this movie though um yeah i mean it is sort of the point of the movie but i just i, I don't know and it runs on for well over two hours right like it's two hours and yeah 15 20 minutes 20 minutes something like, something that, like yeah. that so it's, it's not a short movie and then through all this it's like i feel like by the time and i guess maybe we can drop a little spoiler warning here for people that haven't seen the movie we'll talk about the sort of final third yeah of it um when they get to the island when they get to the island uh not that it's like super spoilery you know given all of it but by the time you get there and by the time that the russian is is now sitting and he's in a position where his money is no good and he's he's sitting there and now he's quoting Karl Marx saying like you know <laughs> yeah. to, to each according yeah. to their need from each according to their ability or yeah. I think I have that backwards but mm-hmm. anyway like it is such a predictable thing that that is the line that is going to come out of his mouth in that moment because it, it is sort of that idea that you know people will justify their situation or justify you know what benefits them the most yeah, in, pe- in any people's given way. politics are flexible to the situation they find themselves in is right essentially you know and, and so, especially yeah. for someone who's that privileged essentially <laughs> right so the end of this movie they're all on this island and um it's a bunch of rich people who have made their living off of uh you know the things that are not necessary for survival let's say mm-hmm. right like yaya and carl are, are there as like literally uh instagram influencers so like they their value to this group of marooned uh folks is essentially zero and you know the uh, dimitri the russian has not really done much labor in the last you know however many years of his life and so what happens is one of the the steward crew um, which I should look up her name. Um, Abigail is her name, uh, played by Dolly DeLeon. Uh, she sort of, she knows how to fish. She knows how to make a fire. She now has all of the, uh, let's say the capital in this society yeah. that they have to build for themselves on this, this desert island. So the whole, whole group relies on her. So she takes full advantage, just like, you know, everybody has taken advantage of her labor in the past like the wealthy and broader society so it's like a role reversal again not subtle at all no but not at all it's uh some fun sequences out of that yeah definitely but, but not subtle at all <laughs> what did you think about about that whole final i don't even know if you'd call it final third but like that third act i guess i thought that it i thought that the runtime on this is probably a little bit too long yeah um there's some stuff that could get you know could probably be trimmed and and edited you know uh because it really, at least the this the final third is a bit of a drag, honestly. Right. Um, the, I guess you do you. I can see the justification that you need some of that kind of build up for the ultimate reveal of what happens at the end. But sure. Um. Yeah. I mean, it kind of the, at this point it, it slowed down a bit for me, and I was less interested. I mean, uh, but. In terms of how it fits with the rest of the movie, I think it's kind of almost a natural conclusion, uh, right? With with regards to what happens at the the yeah. final end of it, but it is it is it it is kind of it keeps that same level of like satire and humor that you've seen in the in the first two thirds, especially mm-hmm. with Abigail like kind of lording over the others, yeah, and uh, you know withholding food and <laughs> and dulling out punishments and stuff like that. It's, it's very humorous, right? But does yeah. drag a little bit. <laughs> I do think that this is why maybe I keep hammering on the lack of subtlety for it is I think 
a more nuanced movie for the first two acts the ending would have felt more not necessarily surprising per se but like more engaging i think that it was so clearly telegraphed that like there was going to be some sort of thing that happens that sort of turns the tables on these people mm-hmm. that like not necessarily any hint that it's going to be you know pirates sinking the ship and and marooning these people on an island but it is sort of this idea that um like just desserts kind of like that the you know all of the mistreatment that has gone on in the early parts of this movie is going to come back to bite folks by the end and i don't know it's it's fine like again i don't i've been very critical of this movie it's fine but i think that the lack of nuance earlier kind of made the ending feel maybe less earned or maybe just less intriguing i don't know i i think that they they're could have been a little bit more to it. Yeah, I I somewhat agree. Um, definitely about the ending uh, feels a bit sad. Really, like yeah. it's kind of it's kind of sad. I, I think um, that might be my own personal bias, but uh, just to I mean to go full spoilers here, right? This movie ends with Abigail um, going on a hike with Yaya. I guess we should mention also that. Abigail has kind of made Carl an her, object of her affection. Like her sex slave. Yeah, well, yeah. It's very. It's pretty it's, much. It starts off coercive for sure, yeah. and then you can't remove that element from it, right? Uh, given their situation, that's like you know his survival, um, which is I get something that the movie is doing right because that situation is like very inverted. Yes, and even in the beginning, given that they're in an industry where. Carl makes one third of the money that Yaya does, and right. that, you know comes into play. But um, and I guess I didn't even think about it. But it's kind of like an inversion of the early part of the movie that he's selling his body sort of willingly mm-hmm. to begin as like a as a model, and then by the end he's like more or less selling his. It's body the same for profession. Food. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly right. the same profession, and in, in uh, that's capitalism, baby. Well, that's um, capitalism, baby. Yeah. Uh, which, of course, creates tension between Abigail and Yaya uh, because Carl and Yaya are still in a relationship, but it's, you know, the lines are blurred. Right. Um, and uh, it creates, you know, this conflict between Abigail and Yaya. They decide to go on a hike together. Um, well, and- yeah, Yaya, we should say, is looking for, you know, supplies or whatever on the other side of the island where no one mm-hmm. has gone yet. Yeah, she's doing some kind of deeper exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Abigail decides to join her. In an attempt to, I don't know, kind of mend, you know, some of the the tension in their relationship. Yeah. Uh, turns out they get to the other side of this mountain, kind of well, like a hill, like a large, you know, you could call it a mountain, whatever. Sure. Um, at the end of this hike, they they come across another beach that clearly belong is a private that makes beach, you belongs old. to a resort, <laughs> if only, right? Uh, no, uh, so yeah, there's there's an elevator, um, and yeah, it's clearly a, you know attached to some sort of resort or residence or whatever, yeah. and uh, which means freedom for all these people. Um, which but it means then, a return to servitude for Abigail. Yeah, so yeah. then it's not explicitly shown, but obviously it's heavily implied that she murders Yaya uh, to preserve her power structure and and station yeah. in this island. Which, to me, says something about, you know, I guess the human condition and, and especially in a capitalist system 
where it will pit you against, you know, right. uh, what's in the best interest for everybody to retain what's in your best interest. But also, this is a character that was, you know, from the working class who, like, should have right. sympathy. But it's exactly what you're saying. Like, going, you know, going back to civilization means going back to... Uh, Servitude for yeah, her. Exactly, yeah. yeah. I, I think... And there's no way to... No way for her to have any kind of... Um, assurance that any of the promises these rich people made her on this right, especially after the like, way she's treated them too, yeah like, is actually going to come to fruition or anything like that but so yeah so i think there's like a weighted balance that you're kind of looking for because a lot of times a movie in this making i don't know the same kind of message would say like you know the working class folks are better like they would have seen the suffering that you know they've been put through and would do right by you know the broader group if put in that mm. situation and i think that there's merit to that and then we were kind of talking about that, it too that like if i you know <laughs> or go you can finish your well point, yeah but. so, so I, what i was saying is that like that has sort of been historically kind of the way these movies have gone i feel like uh where it's, it's that's the message is like oh yeah well when put in the same situation you know the working class people know what it's like to be the working class people mm-hmm. and so they don't um they treat people more fairly whatever all that and so in the end a lot of times a movie like this would have the tables turn and yaya would be the one to take out abigail instead uh because the rich end up on top at the end of the day no matter what but i i think it also does work in this sense that it's just like like you said, you know, in this, you know, that's capitalism, baby, you know, yeah. in this society. I mean, it, it, for me, my... When you have the power, you try and keep it. Yeah, for me, my edit would be something like, instead of having a character um, like Abigail, who we don't see at all until... We do. She's cleaning a bathroom, like, at one point, but that's literally but, it. Yeah, but she has yeah. no, like, you know, significant lines or screen presence right. at all. She's just in the background, you know, which I is probably commentary in itself, but... I would rather have had someone like the uh, what's is her name like Liz or something the the main um, the chief stewardess no, yeah it's, yeah um, oh man a character like her it would make a lot more sense to me Paula Paula yeah it would, it would make a lot more sense to me for her to do to have that to take that kind of action right and we we're with her through you know the whole the whole movie essentially so just a character who's not quite who's kind of in the middle as yeah. opposed to someone from the lower the lowest. Uh, but of course, you know, it's it to me. It's it says it talks something about like the same same as the Russian guy whose politics are mostly performative for whatever benefits him. Right, of it's course. the same exact thing. I would think that that is it's completely natural for humans of any station. But also, in a movie where your prime message is like rich people are are shitty, yeah, uh, you know, it makes more sense for me to uh, you know to have a character that at least we know and we can understand a little bit better that yeah. they that they would definitely take that action as opposed to like someone from the lowest economic background that you're really kind of criticizing the other end of still overall i do like this movie a i was lot. entertained yeah, yeah i enjoyed very, it it's very entertaining um it's got good like energy it's very the it's very it doesn't kinetic. ever take itself too seriously yeah I, I i i like this movie i would probably watch it again um yeah at some maybe. point in the future but not you know not rushing back to the theater right now at least yeah i agree i i just i would have loved more time with woody harrelson's character yeah he's, he's just great. the star yeah. of the it's so he's yeah. so funny in this uh in this thing and 
just all the scenes when with him and he orders a hamburger while everybody's eating like <laughs> yeah fine dining. the like, real message yeah. of the movie is that you should always order a hamburger instead of yeah. e- eating the seafood that'll keep you from getting sick that's so funny so just in- incredible stuff anything else any other thoughts here not really have you seen any other ruben Ostland movie i don't think i have actually the only other one I've seen, I haven't seen The Square, uh, which has Elizabeth Moss, Elizabeth Moss in it. Mm-hmm. So I would be uh, interested to see that for sure. Also a Palme d'Or winner. Um, and then Force Majeure I have seen, which is just, oh, yeah, that's the... just really brilliant mm-hmm. um, and extremely subtle. So, I mean, like one of the things I noticed in the review is like you could watch these two movies back to back and really genuinely have no idea that the same person directed both of those movies because one of them is just this very quiet like simmering thing and and this movie is projectile vomit you know like yeah. <laughs> encapsulated it's um it's interesting i i don't know but i would i would recommend force majeure to anybody that um you know likes a good movie i don't know yeah i uh, i would uh recommend triangle of sadness to anyone um and would judge you based on your feelings about this movie probably <laughs> fair that's fair yeah if you agree or disagree with the uh the actual yeah. message being uh being put across hold up a mirror yeah that's that's right uh round it up do you want to do the song uh no soft <laughs> indeed indeed i am i'm very soft uh letterbox roundup um, I think uh, three and a half for a Triangle of Sadness. I, I went three stars for a Triangle of Sadness. Uh, again, I think the message is good. The message is just very much in your face. All right, Zach, so for the middle segment here, we are going to use Werewolf by Night, the Marvel special presentation, uh, which more or less amounts to a long short film or a a short feature length film, whichever, uh, you know, descriptor you prefer, Uh, kind of adjacent to the MCU. We're going to use that as sort of a launching pad to talk about, you know, the, the Halloween season, but... This, this uh, special presentation has uh, generated, I don't know, a lot of conversation online. It seems like people have uh, been watching it and enjoying it. So what did you think of Werewolf by Night? Uh, I liked it a lot, actually. Um, it's nothing spectacular, but yeah. it, it's definitely fun. Uh, and I think, I think it's notable just because um, most people, most people who are invested in the MCU have no idea are not are not aware of how starved they are of like original content. Right. You know what I mean? Like everything's been a complete like Marvel formula or whatever, you know, the director, you know, is trying to do differently is still being completely overpowered by the Marvel machine. Well it's right? it's the we same saw thing this in like Eternals uh, Ant Man um, was supposed to be Edgar Wright. Yeah, to direct it, and I mean, well, know, he left the project ultimately, but because of creative differences, like yeah. because Marvel wouldn't let him kind of execute on a vision, mm-hmm. and instead, like we're like, no, you you got to hit these points, yeah, Edgar. That's uh, that's the way this works, and it's really kind of suffocated yeah. a lot of the. Some, I mean, that's something. This is something that Marvel themselves have now commented on. I know you're not caught up on She-Hulk, but the finale of She-Hulk 
does address something like this. Uh, and yeah, so I think it's notable in how much of a departure it is from the MCU and how much of a successful departure it is. Mm-hmm. And really an argument for like, hey, just let people do what they want, make right. stories in this universe. Like these uh, are interesting characters. Yeah. You can use them to tell interesting yeah. stories. Uh, I love Jack Russell and Elsa Bloodstone. Yeah, Very Jack cool. Russell's played by Gail Garcia Bernal, mm-hmm. right? Who's yeah, fantastic. Excellent. Yeah, he's yeah, great. Just great energy that he brings mm-hmm. to anything that he's in, but yeah but this is uh this is especially good um yeah so again i i quite liked it a lot nothing mind-blowing but a very fun uh short film and an homage to kind of the monster classics yeah of, i guess know. i should say what it is i mean sure it's, yeah it's a we group really of monster a... hunters gather to hunt a monster in the wake of um i can't remember the guys okay something bloodstone here's a real here's a real yeah. plot description the patriarch of a of a Monster family with a society, deep yes. lineage yes and uh uh and the founder of this monster hunting society um something bloodstone has died yeah. is dead yes and his the the bloodstone gem, yes the yeah. gem the bloodstone that gave him his uh, vitality and power uh, now needs to be passed to a rightful heir, and as opposed to just being, you know, his next of kin, there is a an official hunt, a ceremonial hunt held yes. to kill a monster, um, and six hunters, including the uh, Bloodstone's daughter Elsa, are invited to participate in this hunt, and then they have to, you know, the winner, the the ultimate person, the person mm-hmm. who ultimately kills the monster, inherits the Bloodstone. Of course, things go awry, uh, and th- this is the story of that ceremonial hunt, essentially. Yes. But that's the plot. Yes, yeah, fair enough. Um, and it's all shot in black and white up until the you mm-hmm. know the last scene. Well, there's and a couple the blood of stone elements is, of color yeah. in color, mm-hmm. but it's fun. Like, I mean, it, it is not building into the broader universe really much at all. I mean. I think this signifies that there are monsters and monster the, the, hunters. I mean, and, of course, the ties are there, as with anything MCU, you know. But they're they're not in your face. No, it's completely know? subtle and not right. commented on and, at all. And it doesn't seem like it's being built out to be like, okay, now this is where he's going to meet, you know. Yeah, there's like, no there's no card the at the end that says or whatever. Yeah, you know? there's like, no card at the end that says like jack russell will return right you know, and he might who knows i'm sure I, like I'm I, sure. I am almost certain that he will with a star to or the even degree elsa of, bloodstone yeah, but yeah Gil like garcia bernal but yeah i mean anything i think at this point that mars marvel produces is with the intention of having it available for later use but it's not in your face as like yeah, this person's going to show up again in something because you know yeah you all, all of to. anything that's present here um that's a reference to anything else or has ties to anything else or not commented on at all not yep. directly stated it would all be something you'd either have to know personally or if you go on youtube and watch like a breakdown or something and someone tells you like hey this character is really close with this character yeah. this character met this character in this issue of whatever you know whatever publication that kind of thing so it's definitely not like you know uh episode five of wandavision where you get the the cutaway to sure. alt shield being outside and be like well what about this and this and this yeah. you know it's yeah definitely not that and here's kind of, how the blip affected these yeah, people. <laughs> yeah you know like all of that is absent and then of course you have such a departure in tone and aesthetic uh which is which is a lot of fun like like yeah. you mentioned off the top it's completely in black and white and it is such a. Uh, it really is an homage to the old monster movies. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Like Frankenstein. Of course, yeah. And, Frankenstein, you know, Wolfman, sure. Invisible Man. Like, 
you know, um, all these old universal classics. Right, the same, the same sort of like, you know, jerky camera and mm, like cigarette cut, burns. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like just similar kind of score. Even like, even like, just to old Hollywood in some cases, like mm-hmm. the the music, the you know, the music choices that are playing on the sonograph and like, uh, right, or phonograph or whatever the fuck it is, the record player. Yep. Uh, and then um, also kind of like a Wizard of Oz moment at the end where mm-hmm. everything transitions to color when things have been yep. settled. A lot of fun. I, I really like this a lot. I, I enjoyed it too. And and again, I think, you know, regular listeners of the show will know that we are not the biggest like MCU. Yeah. I don't know. Speak for yourself. Benefactors. <laughs> I don't know. I like, we watch the movies. I, I'm not a huge fan generally, but this one was good. Like, you know, I think that when Marvel takes themselves a little less seriously, it's more entertaining and more fun. And I think they do that. A little bit here like yeah, I, I, w- I think they give this story importance within the story itself but they are giving it sort of like a joking nod to you know these other things and that's yeah you know like like when uh the i, I can't remember her name but the the wife of the guy that died um, oh yeah yeah gets the bloodstone uh, and and kind of attacks him with it it's there's like these sparks coming off of it yeah. and it's just very one the, exaggerated one of the best that's one of the funny. best scenes is when because um, I guess ultimately what happens is it's revealed that Jack is, Jack is, is a himself werewolf. a werewolf, yes. yeah, a monster. Um, so not really welcome in this uh, ceremonial hunt as being one of the beings that they would traditionally kill. Elsa is also not really there to really inherit the bloodstone. She wants to just make sure that no one else can use it right for evil, essentially. Um, and so they kind of team up, and then they are captured. Uh, and Elsa's put in a cage with Jack while he's forced to transform into his werewolf form mm-hmm. um, by the bloodstone. And it is one of the best sequences it's, in, it's the, awesome. in this is yeah. when you just have the camera is focused on Elsa's face and her expressions. I don't remember that. And the actress, yeah, name, and but you see him this is so fan- It's so shadow. fantastic. Yeah. yeah. The way she's like screaming and like the, you know, again, that old Hollywood style. Yeah. Almost like Shelley Duvall in the shining. Like, yeah. Kind of, Even older than that, like, you know, like in psycho or, sure. or something like that. Um, where, yeah. And then you just have the shadow of him transforming cast across her face and she genuinely looks terrified. Like it's a really great, really fun, mm-hmm. awesome transformation. Uh, my, I think my biggest criticism of this is mostly that um, as a society, these people suck at hunt, at monster hunting. <laughs> like they're really bad. They yeah. get dispatched quite easily. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, how has this society been around for five hundred years or something? Right. Successfully killing? Mon- how did they capture? Ted? But I mean, if you notice that, like, none of them have killed that many monsters. You know, at the beginning when they're yeah. talking about like mm-hmm. confirmed kills, it's not a lot. And even the hunt itself, they like attach the bloodstone to. The, the monster that they're hunting mm-hmm. and it's meant to like weaken him for them to, to do this ceremonial hunt. Yeah. And so I, I it does seem like the society itself is sort of self aggrandizing <laughs> in, in an interesting way, but it, uh, it's fun. I mean, uh, like I said, I had a good time with it and I don't normally with these kind of things. Um, so I guess moving past, uh, the MCU as is so difficult to do these days, we're going to talk a little bit about maybe the broader sort of horror environment today. It seems to me, so last time Cody and I had a conversation about horror on this movie or this podcast was I think when we talked about Parasite and we were talking about sort of elevated horror, we were talking about Jordan Peele. Um, that was my first canonical appearance. That's that's right. So really connecting the dots here. Um, it does seem like horror is kind of having a uh, a bit of a renaissance 
here where it's just we're getting a lot of, you know, I don't know, not necessarily bigger names, but like more high profile, higher quality. Like studios are putting a little bit of money towards some of these uh, these horror movies, and yeah. like Bloomhouse has kind of become this major player in that they're not even just um, producing horror movies now. Like they are producing horror adjacent maybe more thriller kind of things or dramas that kind of deal in in some of the same sort of tropes but i i think that we're starting to get a lot of interesting things i haven't seen a ton of horror this this year but like x and pearl have been really significant uh not not significant necessarily but well seen um and well received not necessarily by us but well received in general um what what are your thoughts as someone that enjoys horror movies a bit more than I do? What have uh, your thoughts been on kind of the broader environment? I think that we've kind of had a few um, microcosms of this conversation mm-hmm. before, where in a sense that first studio, what's they're making mostly a financial decision, and in some in some cases backing like a creative that a successful creative, but most cases this is a you know it's about budget versus return right and horror is still one of those things that gets audiences into the theater it doesn't have to cost a lot yeah and it's very yeah very low budget especially when you're talking about you know um franchise franchisable project projects which even some horror i guess even nowadays like some horror films are launched with the idea of like this could be a franchise sure i Uh, think most any movie is launched that way (laughs) unless unless you're like the jordan peele person that's like my next movie will get financed whatever it is yeah but even even someone like jordan peele it's more about uh thinking about this like you know uh, from like a studio perspective that's still a decision about jordan peele's personal brand right like sure jordan peele is a cinematic universe you know these three these three films that he's made yeah can all be that's the Jordan Peele cinematic universe. You know what I mean? Yeah. So not necessarily, even though they're not directly franchised and related to each other, it's still, but I, but I think that's different because I think that like, you know, Jordan Peele can get whatever, like literally he can walk into universal or, or wherever. I think universal is where he uh, made Nope. Mm -hmm. Um, He can walk in there and say, I'm making this as my next movie and they will give him a blank check more or less for whatever he's going to make. But like, I'm thinking of again, like, just as the initial example of you know franchise because it's most recent is like x pearl now they're gonna make maxine Maxine. yeah um ty west i don't think has the same appeal as you know jordan peele and like the same cachet at this point so like his movie is pitched as all right this is we're gonna make many of these movies on a budget and uh that that's the way those get greenlit and i think that like I don't know, not to get off of the horror conversation, but that's kind of the idea behind most anything that's getting put out there now is like, okay, what's the future revenue that we can make off of this? How can we make this into yeah. a franchise? I think that's still... Whereas the high-end guys, I don't feel like need to do that. Yeah. I guess that's more of like the mainstream horror, you know, kind of conversation. There's still a lot of like independent horror that gets made, especially on like something like Shudder now. Yeah. Um, they produce a lot of projects. They have a lot of releases. I, mean, I don't know how many this year, but... Um, definitely stuff that goes straight there and like people sure. love it. Uh, also some like weirder stuff, you know, it's horrors is thriving, I would say. Yeah. Um, but just generally speaking, I think this is like that time of year where it's, it's fun to talk about. You know, yeah. We're coming sure. into Halloween. We had werewolf by night, Marvel, 
you know halloween they're getting in on the party yeah yeah um do you have any so again i was kind of looking back at what i've seen this year and in that sort of domain of horror and like i said it hasn't been a ton i would call so i would call something like nope horror adjacent i mean there are some horror sequences like over horror sequences but to me it's not something that's like trying to scare you you know what i mean Uh, i agree i think it's more just like the general terror of you know a certain their situation like yeah yeah. um and so i like again i have on here one two three four five six seven movies that are classified as horror mm -hmm. uh werewolf by night being one of them uh i and i'm not sure that any of these like nope obviously i would recommend and men which again is a horror movie but also kind of horror adjacent i think yeah uh but definitely a few more jump scares and and that kind of thing in in men um that was probably be the end of where I would say like these are movies I would recommend you to watch. Like, let's see. Do you have any any um, horror that you've seen? Like, I like I've seen Scream. the Black Phone. Scream this year was good. And Black I Phone still is, haven't seen it. Black Phone is on my list. Black I mean, Phone's it, fine. I, if you like the Scream franchise, like I think you would like yeah. this Scream. It's pretty good. You know, reinvigoration of it. Sure. Um, I had a lot of fun with that one. Uh, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies was interesting. I still haven't seen it, but I'm I'm um, interested. Very like gen z centric kind of paranoia yeah. horror movie very funny rachel senate is it's really good in that one um yeah things like so on my list here i have men nope crimes of the future those are all kind of to me like thriller or adjacent yeah. yeah like like we were saying um i saw the invitation this year but i didn't really like it that much uh barbarian is probably the best horror movie i've seen this year so uh, nothing, nothing to the level of what was that movie below us? No, <laughs> or beneath no, us, that, or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. that one's horrible. Uh, Barbarian is very good, though. I liked Barbarian okay. quite a lot. I, it's on the list when it shows up on streaming. I'll probably catch it. I'm, yeah, which should be any day now. I, I feel I, like I would think so. Um, you know, respect Justin Long. I don't know anything else you want to throw out there for horror. You know, will you be Happy watching Halloween anything this Halloween? Who knows? I don't know. I, again, not being a horror person and my girlfriend not being a huge horror person either. Ready I, or not, maybe. I think, yeah, it would have to be something that's a little bit more. That uh, one's a fun one. I love that. That is a fun one. one. I, and that talk about a movie that kind of gets at the ideas that we were just talking about with Triangle of Sadness, mm-hmm. uh, but in like a very creative and like secondary kind of way. Like that's the message of the movie, but like the immediate problem that she's facing is that all these people are trying to kill her. <laughs> yeah. Great, great film. Yeah. Love that movie. Uh, definitely like, how about you? You, you pose the question. What are you watching this Halloween over the garden wall? Uh, mm-hmm. I love that, that cartoon, not monster house. No, definitely not monster <laughs> house. I can't stand monster house over the garden wall. Very fun one. I think there's like 10 episodes, but the whole runtime of the entire series is an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, so. wow. Yeah, very easy to sit through and watch, and it's like got that very fall, and it takes place on Halloween itself. You know, cool. so very fun, festive, in you know in the in the season, uh, and then probably Coraline. Like Coraline is uh, one of my Cor- favorites. Coraline always ends up on at some point, and yeah. I I like Coraline. I think it's a really well done movie. Uh, I also find it so creepy. It's so good. So when, Wendell, oh, and also Wendell and yeah, Wild. Wendell yeah, and Wild. That's, that's probably what yeah. I'll watch on Halloween. I'm gonna then. watch it this week for sure. Key and Peele. Speaking of Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. also. So that's uh, high and Henry Selick. Yep. Mm-hmm.
All right, Zach, let's close things out here with another prestigious movie. Uh, Again, I didn't look it up, but my memory tells me that uh, this movie won Best Director at at Cannes as well. That is uh, Decision to Leave. You want to tell us what this is all about? Decision to Leave. Uh, Oof. All right. Um. Decision to Leave follows a detective in Seoul, is it? I think, I don't I know if they're in Seoul. Uh, or I'm Busan? not sure. They're somewhere in... In Korea. In, yeah, yeah. In It's South a South Korea, Korean yeah. movie. Park Chan-wook, prolific director. Excellent film. Uh, follows our, our, our lead detective um, investigating what appears to be an accidental death of a rock climber. Mm-hmm. Um, and the prime suspect is the deceased's uh, wife who's a lot younger than he is yeah. who is a mm-hmm. chinese national mm-hmm. who, like, a lot of like suspicious things yeah uh, like leading them to kind of say oh this seems like an accident but maybe not yeah and while he's investigating this he becomes kind of charmed at first by this woman uh and begins to feel sympathy for her situation and look the other way on some things and then what what starts off as an and is an interest becomes quickly an obsession. Yeah. Um which then of course uh throws the investigation completely off course and um be as a result of that he leaves his his job at this precinct and then moves very far away and <laughs> yes. this woman Finds Which happens his, pretty late in the film, actually. Like, yeah, it's, it's probably with well, because yeah, an the, hour left. The first, yeah, the first part of the movie is like this romance kind of developing between them, um, forbidden romance, right? He's yes. married, uh, and but even so, it would probably be in that classification yeah, of like forgiven, you know, that detective a, and suspect, yes, yes and yeah. like very clearly is, um, if not guilty, like at least very suspicious yeah crossing a lot of lines right um professionally and personally uh and then um yes he moves very far away and this woman finds his way uh finds her way back into his life and um disrupts everything in a sense uh and so yeah you're really that's the story of this guy dealing with this uh, dealing with emotions and kind of knowledge and the right. results of this investigation. Just making decisions that yeah. he knows is going to just shatter his life. Yes, even, yes. And even despite it, like, yeah. taking that that risk, it's uh, it's it's great. Like, it is... I, I, I can't even think of words to describe it right now. Like, I, I think just on a technical standpoint, it's, it's very good, but just emotionally, too. Like, I think uh, I read some reviews that kind of described it as one of the most romantic movies of the year, and it sort of is like the interactions yeah, that these two have like it's the, romantic in a way that uh phantom thread is romantic right <laughs> right like, but just in a very sinister yeah, kind of a, capacity there, yeah there's like a type of love here that is very unhealthy and toxic but like cannot be denied in a, in a sense you know what i mean right uh, like, it's just <laughs> yeah just uh very sinister is such a good word and and the subtext is like very oh man it's it's dense it's Mm. very dense (laughs) yeah and just like the way i i I don't know it's sort of this twisted sort of web in which like she's clearly manipulating him 
to a degree, like, because you see, like, you're pretty sure she killed her husband, and you're pretty sure that, actually, she ended up killing another husband later on in the movie. Yeah. Um, but, like, there also is some genuine amount of interest and, like, connection between these two people. Mm-hmm. And it, it makes for such a difficult and sinewy, like, feel to it that, you yeah. know, like, it, it's they're not supposed to be this way, but they are. Um, it's really tremendous. Yeah, it's it is um, quite the spectacle. Uh, very much um, kind of star-crossed, I guess. You know, they, right. these people are doomed from the start. Correct. <laughs> yeah, there's yes. no good outcomes for anyone involved. Uh, I mean, I guess we should. It's kind of difficult to talk around. We should probably just guess, spoil everything. I mean, I already here. said that she basically killed. <laughs> Yeah, but but there's still there's still like you know the way that it's revealed that that's the case Um, because really what happens is uh, let me let me double check it's Sure is the is the girl and then Heijun is the guy yeah so the detective is Heijun in the course of his investigation of course she has like an alibi you know her husband was rock climbing and she was right. like home or something right she has like a um, track on it was her like phone very or whatever yeah like and she that. was she's works as a kind of like a hospice care nurse right um and so her alibi was that she was you know the days that he was out there in the mountains she was working uh, which then of course is later revealed that um, she just swapped phones with one of the patients who yeah. has, you know, the early onset dementia. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Who only knows what day it is based on, on when, when she, she shows, shows up. Oh, yeah. Such a good like yeah. twist. Yeah, yeah. The that that sent that like type of realization is always yeah. one of my favorite things about these kind of movies. Like, and I'm, it's done really well here. It's not one that you're like yeah. necessarily looking for. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're kind of looking for that realization moment, yeah. but when you see it, like. It's like, oh wow, this is yeah. This, this is how she did it, you know. This this type of movie is exactly like my brand. Like, I love this shit. I love <laughs> give me a give me a detective who's questioning his entire life and yeah. like and not dealing with anything, uh, any of his personal problems, and just focusing on this. <laughs> yeah, on just this case, like literally in yeah. his work. Yeah, you know. And then the you work get this, becomes you get his like, personal problem. Yeah, you it's get like great. you know something like this, like um, memories of murder. You got like true detective memories like, of murder. Yeah. So good too. Like, yeah. Just uh, something about you know a guy trying to figure this shit out <laughs> and not getting close yeah. at all, just ruining everything. Um, so good. But so then what happens is he realizes that she did this. She pulled this trick to uh, really solidify her alibi, right? And then, uh, but he can't bring get, himself get, yeah. to like he he yeah. he lets her go. He's like, look, you know, you made a mistake. Get rid of this evidence, and then don't ever talk to me again like i'm right. just gonna leave this here and then that's when he requests the transfer and moves uh, many yeah, many miles yeah, away. so far yes. away as far as you can get on the other side of the turns peninsula. out she follows him there yeah with a new husband yep who also ends up dead in a pool yeah um just brutal i i think on a technical standpoint this movie is so like obviously the story is kind of this like I wouldn't say classic like you know detective uh, almost like film noir yeah modern film noir kind of thing mm-hmm. which which is always a treat you know we don't get that kind of thing the only way we get that is in you know the very good knives out kind of thing which isn't 
it's sort of noir. But There's no like, femme fatale, you know, no, no. whether it's in like something like this. But like, or like on the other complete other side of the spectrum, you get the uh, the like death on the Nile and like the mm. you know the Agatha Christie mysteries that uh, what's his name's doing now. Uh, Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, I, so it's just a, a all respect fucking, to my director. Just as a side note, I'm gonna throw this <laughs> out there. So we, we're talking about Belfast constantly on this podcast. I just rewatched Roma this morning, and it's incredible to watch Roma and see. This is a total tangent, and I don't even care. But like uh, to see a director looking back at his own childhood and putting the focus on like another person, like an actual like. Not this is how I became esteemed director at Alfonso Cuaron, but like no, here's someone that was really important to me and the struggles I didn't see them going through. You're belittling the troubles kid. right now. That's and what then, you're doing. And then Kenneth Branagh is just like you're belittling well, the political struggles of the Northern Irish. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is just like I read a Thor comic when I was a kid, and that made me <laughs> want to direct Thor. And it's like, come on, man. All right, I mean, back, but back. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang was there too. <laughs> Jesus. Back to it though. Um, lost my train of thought <laughs> entirely. But yeah, film noir kind of like in and of itself. But then also just on a technical level, this movie is really interesting and in doing some things that you don't really see in movies too often. So yeah, when, I think you specifically this, mentioned like the editing in your review, right? Love the editing in yeah. this movie, and I uh, hopefully you agree as well. Yeah, I think absolutely. The score is excellent too, which I mentioned in my review on Letterbox. But I don't know if the score stood out to me as much. Um, but yeah, no, this as he's movie like wandering uh, the beach in that like on sort the visual of, yeah. level, this movie is beautiful. So when he's it like staking so out, look um, I again don't remember her name, but Sure. Sure, when yeah. he's he's staking out Sure's apartment or house or, or or whatever, he's like peering in with binoculars and then all of a sudden he's there, you know, and they it, Oh, it, that is it true, cuts, yes. It cuts yeah. in and this happens a lot throughout the movie. Almost like dream sequences where he's right. having this like instance of, you know, and the movie isn't necessarily like it is chronologically linear, but there are moments where he's like in a place that he's not or he's listening to a tape mm-hmm. and he's transported back into yeah. a situation and I, it's just such a fascinating yeah, like a dream visually sequence interesting or like a, thing and like a flashback in the present kind of you yeah know, that kind of effect and he's is there is there a transition to it where it transitions to like then real time like i think when he's uh he's watching her and then he imagines himself kind of like behind her almost yeah. like a like a patrick swayze like ghost situation mm-hmm. but then the next thing is she like addresses him directly and they speak. Am I am I misremembering that? I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, I don't remember. I'm not, I'm not but I feel like that, that happens at least once. Out. But it's so fascinating. In I don't know. You just don't see movies do that a whole lot. And the way it's pulled off to again, part of it's editing, cutting from him in the police car to him by her side and yeah like it gives it a kind of like a like a fairy tale kind of feeling yeah and yeah. and again like a doomed romance kind of fairy tale but like also in this like detective procedural movie it's it's these blending of genres and it comes across in those scenes because when you're seeing that you're seeing her living her life and like he's there like you said almost in, in like a patrick swayze ghost kind of situation where like he's there but she's not aware mm-hmm. that he's there and it's it's just very visually interesting, and the way they pull it off is he's in the scene, but he almost looks out of place in the scene. Right. And and even though he's there, like physically there, he doesn't look like he belongs there. And it's it's very inventive 
in the way that like I, I don't know I think we, we talk about like directors using editing or and editing directors and all that in different kind of ways like uh, again not to bring up don't look up again but like in in a film like that where it's just these fast cuts and that's kind of flashy editing that you you take notice of this is kind of in a different way and I, I think it deserves being spoken to in a way because it's not something that we see it's very creative and it's and I, I found it very additive to uh, the experience of watching this movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I wholeheartedly agree. I think that a lot of those choices um, work to great effect here, uh, really selling that, like I said, it, it gives it this kind of fairy tale air about yeah, it. Almost like this, ethereal in this, a way. Yeah, exactly. This romance between these characters who have no business right. <laughs> being romantically involved. Um yeah, and just really, it's so atmospheric. I love when uh, so something something kind of similar happens where um, he wakes up in the middle of the night to go meet her at this like I don't know. It's like a, in the forest almost, and mm-hmm. then <clears throat> the forest is snow covered and it's a light snow. Yeah, and then they have this very powerful conversation about you know the kind of the culmination of everything that's happened. Sure, and how he he poses a question to her like i moved so far i got as far away yeah. from as i possibly could why did you come this, here this can't be a coincidence yeah. and then yeah. and then she's like well you know tell me that you that there hasn't been a single day that's gone by that where you haven't thought about me you know what i mean yeah and then and then he's silent because of course that's that's how he feels right and then uh he rushes back home to his wife and she's leaving like she's leaving because yeah. she at this point is very very specifically aware of what's going on uh, because of some, um, you know, phone calls from from the dead husband, and then right. uh, the fact that she again followed him in this very specific way, like it's undeniable. Yes. Uh, and then they get, he gets to her, and, and he's like, "Wait, like it didn't it didn't snow here?" Like and she's like, he like says something about snow, and she's like, "What are you talking about?" He's like, "It didn't snow here because that's like right. just part of his like it's that fairy tale, yeah, yeah, no, imagination, just... yeah." Such a good sequence. Excellent film. I. I mean, I don't even know what else to say about it. Like, I, I think this is among the best sort of modern noirs that I've seen in a while. And I, I mean, I hope it yeah, gets... I think a lot of these, you know, if you're not a person that follows, you know, um, the Academy season, you know, the award season, right. or is particularly into, like, like international features, and, that's what this I is thinking. something that would get, like, slept on. I mean, Park Chan-wook is a very, you know, of known course. and so prolific director. Like, this movie director. will get seen by cinephiles, yeah. but I... I we have this conversation all the time it gets back to this this same point is that um international movies just don't get seen to the same degree unless they have for some reason some mitigating factor to break through and like parasite was one of those ones that kind of broke through yeah in a certain way and it's actually very deliberate if you've seen the trailer for decision to leave like playing before other movies one of the little cards that they they put up on uh, in the trailer is that the best Korean film since Parasite. Yeah. Like, directly drawing the comparison, even though the movies have almost nothing to do with each other except for the fact that they are both South Korean films. Yeah. Um, just trying to capitalize on some of the success that that's had. But, like, it does kind of strike me, and this is a conversation Cody and I have had, I think, on the podcast before, that if you are discounting international film – you are discounting not just like half of films that come out, like three quarters at least, like of like notable movies. Yeah. That, 
like exist and and the ones that do come to the united states this is the thing i always say is that like american movies can get play anywhere in the world just by on the basis of being like an american movie generally right but the ones that come to the united states as international films tend to be the best of the best that get released there are tons of movies that play at film festivals and tons of movies that don't mm-hmm. um international films that don't ever get you know a release in the united states and like the ones that do it means that they are like the best film produced out of south korea or france or right. italy or whatever <laughs> yeah. in any given year and if, if you are sleeping on that you're missing out on some of the best movies of the year like i think yeah. my favorite movie of most of the last few years like it seems like every other year it's an international movie so it's just one of those things yeah, belfast that, Bel- belfast <laughs> in northern <laughs> ireland really doing the work <laughs> i mean yeah we had drive my car last year sure um yeah international cinema is not something to be ignored for sure it's just not enough eyes on it i think and yeah for the average person to justify spending you know the money on a, movie bucks on a movie ticket, ticket yeah. or whatever yeah it's capitalism baby it sure is uh yeah i think this one is definitely one that i would recommend highly yeah to and everyone. it's just it's entertaining yeah. like i think anyone would like it mm-hmm. you know very 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 good movie very good movie you want to round it up uh yeah sure letterbox roundup um i gave it four stars but i think after marinating with it a bit i think i'm gonna bump it up to four and a half yeah I, I think that's a good place to be with it. I was kind of in between four and four and a half. I really can't wait to rewatch this movie when either it expands to where, you know, we, we drove uh, from here. I, it was closer to you, but we drove like an hour or yeah, so to go see this 45, movie. 50 minutes. Yeah. And when it's maybe a little closer or when it's on streaming, I, I'm very excited to revisit this one. And uh, I think I think it's going to be towards the top of my yeah. list. South I, Korea definitely I, I went having with four and a half by the way oh yeah sorry um yeah i think that's where i'm gonna end up ultimately too south korea is having a bit of a moment at least um uh we had parasite in 2019 we have this decision to leave this year but just also two of the biggest netflix properties from this past year uh you had squid game squid and, game yeah and um all of us are dead or one of the oh not space sweepers <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a movie. It is. Yes. Decent um, movie. Uh, but those were two of Netflix's most like viewed properties over this past year. And yeah. both, of course, South Korean uh, won a capitalist critique um, in Squid Game, woefully recreated in some menacing ways. But yeah. uh, uh, all of us are dead. Also, Korean zombie kind of drama. Yeah, I wonder if, and this is just spitballing here, <clears throat> is that like, especially with Bong Joon-ho movies too, but like generally cinema in uh, South Korea seems to deal a lot with sort of the the revolution there and the like student protests around inequality. It seems like South Korea has gone through sort of similar issues that are sort of plaguing not just the United States, but the broader world as well. And I, I don't know, it just seems like they have found, I, I don't know, you look at the, the biggest international film kind of countries right now it's probably like south korea and france are like the ones that are up there and like french movies are french movies like france has an identity around the movies that they make but i think the reason that south korea has and japan's up there too there's there's plenty of countries that are releasing interesting and intriguing uh like mexico could be in that category too because you've got just you know 
top tier directors and Alfonso Cuaron and uh, Inuritu and um, and Guillermo del Toro. Right. But like South Korea, I think obviously Bong Joon Ho is like master. Um, Park Chan Wook is also you know master sin- uh, uh, director. But I think a lot of the time, not necessarily with this film, but broadly, of Squid Game, uh, Parasite, those kind of things, are speaking to a- an inequality that exists not just in South Korea, but in the broader world. Mm-hmm. And I think that there's an extra resonance to kind of the directors making these properties now uh, grew up through that sort of tumultuous time in that, in that country. And I, I think it has spoken to a broader audience. In an interesting way. That does seem to be the trend, yeah. Yeah. And uh, so far, good things, at least in terms of art. And the viewers are are the beneficiaries of it at Mm -hmm. the end of the day. All right, Zach, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode, unless you have anything else you want to throw out there. No, uh, not really. Um, pretty pretty solid recap of, of uh, some things we've been watching. Um, do we know what next week's big thing is going to be? I know Wendell Till? and Wilde does come out. Till, Till Wendell is a good Wilde, one. Tar, um, um, we could revisit. Right, and there's uh, oh Banshees of Insurin. If oh, we do get around oh, man. to that, that's... I'm so looking forward to that one. <laughs> you know, I I am too, and I'm disappointed to say it because I really hated Three Billboards, but you know Martin McDonough's back, and he's got uh, Colin Farrell along mm-hmm. for the ride. Brendan and Gleeson, Brendan Gleeson just, too. I love Brendan Gleeson. He's so good. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a great energy. Mad Eye Moody in the Harry yeah. Potter movies, but of course also uh, uh, Knuckles, Knuckles McGinty with a capital and... N. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> In Paddington too, just uh, excellent actor, and I'm, I'm. It seems like such a departure from what th- Three Billboards was trying to make this statement about you know racism in the United States that was interesting coming from you know a, a Irish director, right? Um, not that you know anyone couldn't just see the United States and uh, like visually just look and see, oh yeah. A lot of racism going on over there <laughs> but like i think him going back and doing something a little more low-key like this is a movie about a guy whose friend doesn't want to talk to him anymore like i think that is fascinating like yeah, i'm, I'm really excited good. to see it it looks really good so maybe if we can get around to it that will be the movie of next week um in the meantime you can find us at uh, spinning the com. i have a review of triangle of sadness uh up on the website so check that out any yeah, yes. as always, I'm just painted underscore dog on Letterboxd um, for all my movie takes and activities on there. Excellent. Yeah, and I am Evan D twenty six on uh, on there. I have uh, just surpassed the hundred movie mark for this year. I had, yeah. like new releases, so we're gonna get a lot of uh, I'm good about stuff about half of that. I think I'm at like fifty six right now. Nice. I think Cody's somewhere in the thirties, so we're you know the race is on. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, thanks uh, everyone for listening. If you want to leave us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get this, that would be much appreciated. Um, in the meantime, do you have any one final word you want to throw out there? Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>